May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is God's word to God's people. Spirit. 
I'm suggesting that these five words that are in our membership vows are a, a good way for us to take a look at our lives of discipleship and whether we are being the kind of stewards of God's blessings and saving grace that we want to be. We're looking at prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness, and um, today we're focusing on prayers. I'm hoping that as you consider the topic of prayer in your life, you will you'll wonder whether you are valuing it as much as perhaps you could, and that you'll open your spirit to God in prayer, that God might lead you a little further in your experience of faith through prayer. I don't think I could overemphasize the importance of prayer and how that importance is stressed in our scriptures. Today's scripture is a good example. It's one of many that I could have just grabbed out and, and brought forward to you. In this scripture, the disciples are asking for some advice from Jesus about prayer. Jesus prayed a lot. The disciples saw it. They were wise to ask him, what's the deal? Why do you do what you do? And how can I do what you do? And Jesus says, well, you know, you look around, you can see a lot of people praying, and they pray with a lot of words. They throw up heaps of words as if the quantity of words is what makes prayer effective. And the attention that they have gotten is their reward for that prayer. You want a different reward. You want a sense of connection to God through your prayer, not people's praise of what a nice prayer that was. So if you have any temptation to showboat with your spirituality, I'll tell you what, don't. Go in a closet. Go in a closet even and do your prayers in a closet, Jesus says. Nobody can hear you between you and God then. Well, and that's the way it ought to be because you're praying to God. And know that God loves you and you will experience that love in that prayer. And that's a better experience than the adulation of your neighbors over what great words you're using in the public square for your prayer. Good advice from Jesus, don't you think? Teach us to pray, they say, and he gives them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. That's in the next verses that wasn't read for you, but it follows along. The Lord's Prayer, we call it now, attributing it to Jesus. I say it at least once a day, sometimes more. I find that it is powerful that it is simple and direct, that it is broad, covers all the bases of our human concerns. It gets our head screwed on straight because we start it with praising God and, and honoring God for who God is in this cosmos. 
and we say, yes, that is you, God, and we love that about you. And we pray that though that is true about you, you will also be here personally with me in my private need. As I hunt for food and I struggle with temptation and I have to cope with evil. I sometimes get emotional about the Lord's Prayer because there's a line in there that you might just blow by if you're, if you're not thinking about what you're saying. But in the prayer, you talk about how it is your hope that what God's got going on in heaven is going to happen here. And I don't know really if I could get up in the morning if I didn't have that hope that things would get better. That it would be God's doing because it's God's will. And I pray that it would happen. So Jesus says, listen, if you're kind of at a loss to what to say, say this prayer. Here, my gift to you, say this prayer. If you think back about scripture and prayer, you probably can come up with a whole bunch of references in which Jesus or somebody else is talking about prayer. I wrote a number down in that little booklet that you have in your bulletin. Luke 18, it's called the parable of the persistent widow. Oh, those widows, they don't know when to stop. They just keep at it, don't they? They just keep at it. Annoying, annoying, and annoying. No, that's not what this parable is about. It's Jesus saying, if you are sincere in your prayer, be persistent in your prayer. Own it. Own your prayer. And God will know. And God will respond the way you need though it might not be the way you asked. Be persistent. Believe enough in prayer to pray. Matthew 6, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And a lot of people think, okay, well, there's the contradiction to what you said a couple weeks ago, Walt, that God is not a vending machine. You put in a coupon and you get out what you want. You see? Well, no, I still maintain that God is not a vending machine and that we need to identify our needs and we need to ask of our needs. We need to make sense of our circumstance and bring them before the divine. And again, God will respond to those prayers in the way of love that we need. And maybe it won't be a Porsche to impress our neighbors. Maybe it won't be a new job. Maybe it won't be this or that. But it will be what we need. Maybe it will be the hug that we're really needing. Maybe it will need... Maybe it will be that validation of ourselves when we're so at a loss to be at peace with who we are. 
and having that validation come to us is a little better than the Porsche. In Romans, we hear that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf if we are uncertain how to pray. I stand on this section of Scripture on a regular, regular basis because there are times I just throw up my hands and I say, I don't know what is going on here. How can this be? And in my anger or in my disillusionment or in my uncertainty or just in my, I can't figure it out-ness. I trust that God is hearing the stirrings of my heart and will minister to me, provide me a balm or empowerment as is needed. When we can't even find the words, God is there. And so, in Philippians we read, don't worry about anything. You know, to stop worrying, you have to really be trusting. You have to be somehow in that place where you're able to give over your anxiety and trust that somehow God will make a way. Tough to do. Need to do. Trust in God. In Colossians, we read about devoting ourselves to prayer. What do you think that is? What does that look like? What would it look like in your life if you devoted yourself to prayer? I mean, would that be like uh, praying once a day? Would that be like praying once a day, a 10-minute prayer instead of a 5-minute prayer? Is devoting yourself five prayers a day? What would it be like for you to say, oh, all right, this scripture is speaking to me. I need to up the ante. I don't think I, I really don't think I'm devoting myself to prayer. How would God nudge you? In Thessalonians, we read about praying without ceasing. Is that a life devoted to prayer where you're praying all the time? A memory popped into my head at 9 o'clock. I'll share it with you that when I was driving, I was a young adult. This is before Debbie had her influence in my life, <laughs> making me a little bit more responsible. Um, I'm somewhere in, I don't know, Indiana or Ohio, and for whatever reason, the only excuse I have for myself is that I was very full of myself as a religious person at the time, I think. I, I started praying while I was driving, just started talking to God and praying, and literally, is that God right now? <laughs> Literally, I was in Pennsylvania around Erie before I realized it. I had gone through most of the state of Ohio not paying any attention to my driving. 
Now, I'm going to suggest to you that that is not what this scripture wants us to do. It's certainly not what I want you to do. Don't be doing that because by the grace of God, I lived. I don't know how I lived because I literally was not paying attention. I was a feeling, it felt like I woke up in Erie. Um, so if prayer without ceasing is not that, what do you think it is? I'm guessing it's some kind of living every moment in a sense of cognizance of God's presence. Prayer is conversation with God, right? It's an intimacy with God. So praying without ceasing would have us be going through our lives with a, an awareness of God's presence. Having, trying to reference almost every moment in light of this relationship this holding on to God's hand. I'd be interested to hear, I'd be interested in having you talk to Rachel about what you think that means. Prayer was important for the early church. Prayer is surely important for the modern church. As the early church gathered and they grew in their faith through their prayer, they were constantly devoted to prayer, we are told. Acts says, each time together, daily together, in prayer. Prayer was important to Jesus. We have passages in scripture where we're, we climb into the mind of Jesus and we hear his prayer. When Jesus is praying uh, with Lazarus, when Jesus is praying anguishing uh, in Gethsemane, when Jesus is, uh, as John portrays at the Last Supper before the Passion, um, having his preaching moments with uh, his disciples, he's also in prayer over his sheep. Scripture tells us that Jesus prayed a lot. Scripture tells us that Jesus actually went away from his disciples, he went away from the crowds, went up into the mountains or out into a cave to be in prayer. You recall this, right? Often, Scripture tells us, Jesus did that. So I want to ask you, where are you in your thinking about Jesus as the Christ kind of stuff? Because, like, you know, there's a continuum of, of theological thought about Jesus becoming self-aware of himself as the Christ. And there's some in our religious tradition that say, well, that didn't really happen until the crucifixion. Then Jesus tuned in to what he, who he really was. Others say, well, no, 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 no. That happened before that. That happened at Gethsemane. Did you read the prayer? He's aware of what's going on. So he's already got this cognizance of his self being the Christ and Gethsemane. Others say, no, 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 no. That happened at the baptism. That's when Jesus got hip to himself being the Christ, the Son of God. It was at this baptism. My beloved, behold, you know, the, right? That's when Jesus got aware of himself as the Christ. Others say, no, no, it's back at his birth. Once he, once he bursts into human life form, that's when Jesus was aware. He was aware from the... And John says, no, no, it was before he was even born. Jesus existed before he was even born. He was part of the divinity. Jesus knew he was Christ 
before he even took human form. So you can see there is responsible variety of opinions in our faith tradition as to when Jesus realized he was the Christ. Now I'm saying that to you to draw your attention to the fact that Jesus prayed. And that Jesus actually went apart from people because he needed to pray. And if Jesus needed that kind of shot of spiritual intimacy and nourishment, if Jesus needed it, what about us? What about you and me? Surely we need it more. And would benefit from taking advantage of God's offer to be in intimate relationship with God through prayer. So some thoughts on prayer. Prayer is being intentionally attentive to God. Evelyn Underwood Underhill writes about how prayer is an act of will and an act of desire. And the point being made is that you don't accidentally fall into being a prayer or pray well. You have to work at it. It's a decision on your part. You will it that, all right, I will pray at five. I will talk to Rachel and get some resources. And I will pray each evening decision of your will to be in prayer. If you're going to be a prayerful person, it doesn't happen accidentally and typically you don't do it very well when you begin because it is an effort. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the reason you decide to will it in your life is because you have a desire for that kind of intimacy with God. You have tasted the fruit of that kind of intimacy, and you want more of it. So, Evelyn Underhill writes about prayer being an act of will that springs out of your desire for that kind of intimacy with God. Kristen Johnson Ingram writes in Weavings about how prayer is being open to God's response. So prayer is not just going to God, but prayer then is listening to God. And I don't know how many people do the listening part of it. But it's an important component of prayer. And indeed, there's a whole religious tradition of meditative, contemplative prayer where you uh, get like that Zen master guy and you uh, try to get rid of all your thoughts and you open yourself up to God's presence. 
this is deeply rooted in Christian mysticism of where you would be practicing the presence of God, Brother Lawrence calls it. Able to spend some time waiting on God to hear the words, to fill the nudges, to have the embrace of the Spirit, of the loving Spirit around you. Prayer is intentionally talking. Prayer is also intentionally listening. And then one of my favorite Quaker writers, Thomas Kelly in Testament of Devotion, it's a great book to read, talks about how prayer changes the world. Now this is written, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is written uh, fairly soon after the Second World War, I don't know, 50s, I think. I might be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. I see it in that context that this is almost five decades old. He writes, out in front of us is the drama of individuals and of nations, seething, struggling, laboring, dying. Upon this tragic drama in these days, our eyes are all set in anxious watchfulness and prayer. But within the silences of human souls, an external drama is ever being, an eternal drama is ever being enacted. And on the outcome of this inner drama rests, ultimately, the outward pageantry of history. We are living our lives in a time of struggle in which we are wrestling with feelings of strength or inadequacy, of empowerment or of weakness. We're struggling with temptations. We're struggling with evils. We humans, this is our life course, whether it was now, 50 years ago, 150 years ago. And that inner drama, Kelly says, however you resolve that, it's going to play out with how you treat your neighbor, how you build your community, And if we are able through our prayer life to wrestle those impulses down and work with God to become our better selves, we will have that healing effect upon our family and upon our community. Prayer changes us, and by changing us, Prayer changes the world. So, here we go. We are looking towards our future and so excited about different things that are happening in our church, things that are happening in our lives. We are thinking that God is not done with us yet. And we're thinking that whether we're 20 50 or 70. 
God is not done with us yet. There is more to grow, more to become than we are now. And so I invite you to to think about your life of discipleship and your stewardship of prayer. And might it be that, that this year, God might be nudging you in your prayer life to become a little bit more something. And might it be possible that you would say, here I am, Lord. I hear your voice. Let it be so with me. Your congregation is counting on you. We're counting on each one of ourselves to become the more that God would have us be. Amen.